other than the Bible, there have been a number of books that have made a significant impact upon me in ministry. For example, there have been a number of, of theology books that I've read once again along with the Bible that have, have greatly shaped the way I think about God and the way I think about myself and the way I think about the Christian faith and the way I, I view the world. There have been a number of books that I've read on preaching that I have read that, have, that have, uh, uh, I had to read in seminary that have influenced the way I prepare throughout the week, the way I preach Sunday after Sunday. And there have been a number of books on the, the spiritual disciplines that have helped me improve my, my personal Bible study and prayer time and it have helped improve my overall walk with Christ. There have been a number of books that I've read on missions that have opened my eyes to what God's Word teaches about missions and why it's important and why we as a church should emphasize missions and how we should approach it as a body of believers. I've read a number of books on leadership that have helped me in dealing with people and making decisions in ministry. been a number of books that I've read that have shaped the way I view and do ministry. And one book that has made a significant impact upon me as a pastor, and I know I've shared this with you before, but it's, it's an important book in my library. And it's uh, Tom Rainer's book entitled Simple Church. Here it is up on the screen here for you. Simple Church. Now here's the interesting thing about this book. When I, when, when I first read it, it really didn't give me a, a new way to look at the role of the church and it didn't give me a new philosophy on ministry. My philosophy of ministry had been developed at that time when I read that book, but what it did do was it, it helped me to better explain my own philosophy of ministry. Does that make sense? You ever had someone say something and you say to yourself, you know, that's what I believe as well. They just said it a whole lot better than me. Yeah. Well, that's the way I feel about Tom Rainer, and that's the way this book was for me. It's what I believe as well. He just says it a whole lot better than I do. So this book, it didn't, it didn't change my philosophy of ministry as much as it just helped me better explain the way I view and do ministry. My philosophy of ministry is very, very important to me. In fact, one of the main reasons... I chose to come to this church initially is, of course, I, I agreed with, with the church doctrinally, with the church staff and with the, with the leadership and with the church doctrinally. But another reason was because of the church's philosophy of ministry. When I was in Fort Smith, Arkansas, serving at Fellowship Bible Church there, I, I turned down a lot of other opportunities that came along solely based upon differences in this area. So when the elders of this church began to talk to me about the opportunity to come to Jacksonville, one of the defining moments for me was when they sent me a copy of the church's statement of faith and the mission statement of the church. I knew that Fellowship Bible Church, Jacksonville, Texas, was a, was a place where I could see myself because I was in agreement with the church, both doctrinally and when it comes to philosophy of ministry. Now, some of you in here are probably wondering, well, what is your and what is the, the, the church's philosophy of ministry? Well, for the next 
several weeks to start off this new year. That's what we're going to be discussing. This morning, we are beginning a five-week series entitled, We Are Fellowship. And I know I've preached a similar series for many of you a while back, and some of you are probably thinking, we already heard this. Why do we have to hear it again? Well, this series is going to be a bit different. But many of the points are the same because our philosophy of ministry and our mission statement has not changed. But my hope is, for you, is that even if you've heard it before, that you hear it again. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been here for a while. And you don't really know where we stand as a church. You, you You don't really get what we're all about. Well, I hope after this series, it becomes clear to you. For those of you here who have just been visiting for a short time, I pray that you come to understand who we are as a church and what we're all about. And I I pray that that all of you would, would better understand after this series is over your role in helping us put this mission statement into practice. In the first sermon of our series, I want to share with you first and foremost that we at Fellowship Bible Church... We are all about making disciples. We're all about making disciples. To begin, let me me talk a little bit more about this book, Simple Church. Here it is again up on the screen. And just in case you can't read it, the subtitle of this book is, is great, and it just really captures what the book is all about. The subtitle of this book says this, Returning to God's Process for Making Disciples. In this book, Rayner makes the point that there are a lot of churches out there doing a lot of things. You may know a few of these churches. I mean, even the smallest of churches have a lot of stuff going on. In many of the smallest of churches, there are tons of programs and activities. So the church, no matter the size, is busy for the most part, right? But what Rainer found when examining these churches is that though there are churches that have a lot of programs in place and they're busy doing a lot of things, that does not necessarily mean that the church is healthy and is functioning the way the church should. Oftentimes what you find is the opposite is true. I mean, a lot of the times in in churches, here's what you have. You have a, a program for everything, And for every program, there's a different mission statement or purpose statement. And people serving in those ministries really don't know what the mission statement is for that one particular ministry that they're involved in. And and the people attending don't know as well. And, And as a result, ministries become extremely confusing. I mean, when you have a program for everything and a mission statement for every program, nobody really knows what the purpose of any one particular program is. And as a result, these programs, these ministries, and more importantly, these churches are rendered ineffective because they're going a million different ways and they're really not getting anywhere. They're not doing anything exceptionally well. And the mission gets skewed of the church. People attending really don't know what the church is all about. 
it's just a mess. Well, in this book, Rayner makes the point that one, one of the things that he noticed in his studies is one of the main characteristics of healthy churches that they examined is that each one of them had this one overarching biblical purpose. And the people in the church, for the most part, understood the purpose of the church and even their place, their role, their part in helping the church accomplish that purpose. That's what they found in the healthy churches they examined. And Rainer makes the argument in this book that for the church to be healthy, get this, it needs to return to a simple and clear and biblical understanding of its mission. You know what? Scripture is clear on what this mission is to be. Do you know that? I mean, we don't have to sit around at a table and brainstorm too long on this. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he gave his disciples a clear and simple to understand mission. He gave them a clear assignment of what they're to be doing until he returns. And this assignment is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. You can turn there or look at it up on the screen here. Let's look at it. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus basically says this here. He says, as you're going throughout your daily lives, as you're going about your daily lives, you are to be purposeful in making disciples. That's what he's telling his followers, his, his, his disciples. He says, as you're going throughout your lives, make disciples. You're to go out and you're to seek out followers of me and you're to bring them in and you're to baptize them and you're to teach them to observe my teachings. That's what Jesus said we're to be doing until he returns. Pretty simple, right? That's our mission. Christ was clear when it comes to the mission of the church. So in this book, Simple Church, Tom Rainer makes the argument that for us to become more effective and healthy as a church, we need to return to Jesus' simple and clear and practical and biblical mission. We need to be all about making disciples. And I don't know if you've read our mission statement, but that's the mission statement of this church. It's what our mission statement essentially says. Here it is up on the screen just in case you haven't read it or haven't read it in a while. Look at it with me. It says this. This is the mission statement of our church. Fellowship Bible Church exists for the purpose of making disciples by escorting people to Christ, establishing people in truth, and equipping people for ministry. It's what we're all about. We want to see people who don't know Christ, come to know Christ in and through the ministries of this church. But not just that. We don't want to just leave them there. We want to then take them 
and take others who have committed their lives to Christ. And we want to move them forward in their faith. We want to see people get established in the truth. We want to see believers grow in their knowledge of God and in their knowledge of themselves and in their knowledge of the Christian faith and the world around them. We also want to equip God's people for ministry. That's what it means to make disciples. And folks, that's what we're all about here at this church. I guarantee you that's what I'm all about. I hang my hat on that. That is our purpose as a church. Our purpose is to take people from where they are and move them forward in their faith. Now, I'm not talking about getting everybody on the same page spiritually at the same level. I know there are different levels of spiritual maturity in this church, but I'm talking about taking you from where you are and moving you forward in your faith. That's what I'm all about. That's what I want us to be all about as a church. Now, for the rest of the morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you a bit more about why we at this church should be all about making disciples. And I want to I show you from Scripture why this is to be one of our main goals at this church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I know I could easily take you back to Matthew 28, right? To show you where Jesus tells us directly we're to make disciples. But I like Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And the reason why is because Paul in this passage is talking to the church. And he's explaining to the church how God wants us as a church, as a congregation, to be all about discipleship. And he also explains to us what God has done for us so this can happen. God's done a lot for us already. Paul talks about that here. So for the rest of the morning, what I want to do is I want to look at this passage and draw out some key principles from these verses. Notice first that Paul tells us, number one, God gives the church pastors to equip believers. That's point number one. God gives the church pastors to equip believers. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Stop there for a minute. In verse 11, Paul gives us a list of gifts that God has given to the church. The first one he mentions are the apostles. An apostle is someone who had seen and had been directly commissioned by the risen Christ. That's an apostle. The second he mentions are the prophets. The prophets were those people who spoke revelation from God before the written revelation of God was completed. Now, I don't believe, and I know hopefully many of you don't believe according to the definition I just gave there, that those gifts still exist today. We call those foundational gifts, the gifts of the apostles and the prophets. They were present in the first century around the time of Christ's earthly ministry and before God's written revelation was completed. And though we do have their message from Scripture, we have the message of the apostles and the prophets from the Scripture, and they're taught in our churches today, so we still benefit from those gifts. Those gifts are foundational gifts that I believe have ceased. But look at the third and fourth gift here. 
The third gift Paul mentions here are the evangelists. Now, who are the evangelists? I know you probably have some images popping into your head right now, and some not so good, right? But the evangelists here were, were people who went to places where there were no believers and were no churches, and they shared the gospel in hopes that people would respond and come to Christ and trust in Him and that churches would be started. Paul, by this definition, was an evangelist. And, and he, was, he was an apostle and a, and a prophet. So this group, they go to areas where there are no or very few believers in churches, and they go and they share the gospel. And as people come to Christ, they start churches. And the fourth gift is that of preaching and teaching. Now, in the English, they, they separate these two in the scriptures, but in the original language, these two words were really meant to be understood together. So this is to be understood as the pastor-teacher or the teaching pastor, okay? These are people that God has given to the church who are a part of the church once the church has been established and they are to pastor and to shepherd and to lead and to teach God's people. So now that we know about all these gifts, here's the question we need answered. Why did God give the church these foundational gifts of prophets and apostles and the latter gifts of evangelists and pastor teachers? Why did God give the church these gifts? Is it, is it so that members of the church could come week in and week out and just watch these people do the work of ministry? Is that the purpose? A lot of the times we think in this way, don't we? Let's be honest. A lot of the times we think of, of ministry like a football game. When you go to a football game, you, you participate to an extent, don't you, in that you wear your team's colors, you cheer your team to victory, but, but be honest. Though we often give ourselves high fives when our team scores, we're really not playing the game, are we? And we're really not ultimately a part or responsible for the outcome of that game, right? I mean, be honest. Even if you didn't go to the game, the results would still be the same, wouldn't it? We often think it wouldn't, those of us who are superstitious sports fans. But it would. It'd be the same. A lot of people view ministry in this way. They think those who are to do the work of ministry are the, the pastor teachers and the evangelists. That's their responsibility, to do the work of ministry. And we're just here to just sort of show our support. I mean, we'll come and we'll wave the Christian banner, we'll clap our hands, we'll sing songs, we'll nod our heads and, 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 and show our approval. But we're really not the ones who are supposed to be doing ministry. Many think in this way. But is this what this passage is teaching? Is Ephesians 4 teaching us that it is the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastor teachers who are responsible for doing ministry while the rest of the church sits back and looks on and simply shows support? Let's keep reading. Look at verse 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
for building up the body of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying here, folks. Let this sink in. He's saying God has gifted leaders like apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers for the purpose of equipping God's people, you believers, to do the work of ministry. So my role, in case you didn't know, my role in this church, according to Scripture, is to equip you believers to use your gifts for the purpose of ministry. That's what Paul says. That's my role. Think of the position of pastor how you will. Paul spells it out here, what the role of the pastor teacher is here. Is that not what he says in verse 12? It is. And this point moves us right into our second point here. Not only does God give the church pastors to equip believers, notice number two, God also equips believers so they will do the work of ministry. The word prepare or equip used here in verse 12, it carries with it the idea of preparing a room or getting a room ready. Whenever Leslie and I have people over at the house, we have to prepare our house for our guests. Depending upon how many come, we might have to set up extra chairs in the living room so that everyone will have a place to sit. We have to prepare plenty of food and drinks, and we may also have to buy paper plates and cups so everyone has you know, what they need to eat off of and drink out of. We have to prepare our house and our kitchen, all of our rooms to function in a certain way. And that's kind of the image that that Paul gives us here in verses 11 and 12. God has told us in his word that we as believers, when we come to meet together as his church, the reason we are meeting together is to get prepared to get equipped to do ministry. You may not realize that that's the reason you're here, but that's the reason you're supposed to be here. That's the main reason you're to come here. It's not just to feel good, though we often do when we get together and meet with God's people and sing praises to Him and hear from His Word. It's not just to get a boost for the week, though that often happens as well. You are here to get equipped. You are here to get prepared to do ministry. So really, the better image of the church is not a spectator going to a game. The better image is a player going to practice. That's what church is. Church is really more like practice. It's a place where you come and you get trained to get ready to do ministry. That's the reason you're here to get ready, to get prepared for the world out there, to get prepared to be who God has called you to be out in his world. That's why you're here. It's a place where you come and get equipped so that you can go back out into the world and do ministry effectively. Now, the question we need to ask is why? Why? Why does God call us to to do ministry, and and what's the the purpose of it? Well, I've talked a little bit about it, but it leads us into our third point here that Paul talks about here. He says believers are to do ministry, not just to impact the world, that, that comes with it, but also so the church will be built up. Believers do ministry so the church will be built up. 
I'm going to explain what I mean in just a minute, but first let's read verse 12 again. Look at it. Paul says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. One of the primary things we're to be doing, believers, is building up the body of Christ. Using the gifts God has given us, not just to grow personally, but to to grow other people in Christ. To mature people in their faith. That's the business we're to be all about. That's the mission of this church, to make disciples. So we're to come to church to do just that, to get equipped to do just that. We're to get equipped here so we can go out from this place, outside of these church walls, into other ministries of this church and out in our communities so that we can take people and pour our lives into them and and, and grow them in Christ and mature them in the faith. That's our ministry. That's my ministry. That's your ministry. That should be our ministry as a church. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Listen to what he told these guys. He says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's what you're to be doing. You're to be coming here to get equipped and then you're to take these messages and the message of scripture and you're to go out and you're to teach others and they're to go out and teach others and go out and teach others. That's how it works. That's how discipleship works. We have a huge misunderstanding about our giftings today and how we are to use them in the church and in the world. Many believe that, that we have gifts that God has given us, and many even rightly understand that the church is the place where we get equipped to use that gift. But a lot of times we believe that our gifts that God has given us, they're ultimately for us. They're for our benefit. They're to put the spotlight on me, check me out. Look at how God's gifted me. Look at all the gifts he's given me. heard people say this before said God has given me a gift so it's my duty to put that gift on display showcase that gift to the world and my question to that person is why for what purpose just show how gifted you are according to scripture that's an incorrect use of the gift that God has given you Paul says the purpose of the gifts are not to benefit you. They're to benefit the body. They're to benefit others. They're to build up the church. Believers, God has gifted you. Many of you are gifted in ways I'm not gifted and vice versa. And he's given, he's gifted you uh, for a purpose. He's given you those gifts for a purpose and that purpose is much bigger than you it's not for your sake it's for the sake of others so that Christ's body his church his people might be built up look at verse 13 Paul says until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Here Paul gives the the, the scope of this work that we're called to do. 
He tells us here that we are to be using our gifts to build up Christ's church and are to be committed to making disciples until we are complete in Christ. And that's an ongoing process, isn't it? None of us are there, are we? Though we're referred to as the body of Christ, which should show each and every one of you how important the church is. Many don't believe the church is important today. Well, it's the body of Christ, so I don't know how you get much more important than that. The truth of the matter is, though we're referred to as the body of Christ, many of our churches are not being the body very well. And I I think we would all agree we can all be the body better, right? So because that's the case, we've got work to do. Our goal should be to mature individually and pour our lives into others and use our gifts, come here to get equipped to use our gifts, and use our gifts to build up this body and make our body a better body for Christ. That's what we're to be all about here. Once again... Where are we to go and develop and mature in this way? Right here. You're to come here. We're to do this in our private time with God, but we also grow and mature in and through the ministries of this church. Church is the place where you come to develop and mature. It's where you grow up in Christ and learn to think rightly and to live rightly for God. This is God's purpose for the church. I believe this is God's purpose for every church, and this is our purpose here at Fellowship. I want to end this morning by sharing with you three benefits that will result if we as a church would really buy in and commit ourselves to come to church in order to get established in truth and equipped for ministry so that we can pour our lives into others and build the body up. Here's what will benefit. Here's the benefits here. Three benefits. Number one, you benefit personally from this. You do benefit personally from pouring your life into others. Coming here to get equipped to do just that. Here's what I mean by this. If you're here at our church, we're going to assume that it's your desire to grow up in Christ because that's what we're all about. Like I've said before, I hang my hat on this. This is what we're all about here at this church taking you from where you are and moving you forward in your faith. And you're going to find this year that we're going to be taking some active steps to make that happen. We've been talking about it. We've been praying about it. And we as a a group of elders, we're, we're praying about how we can do this better because we don't want it to just be a writing on some mission statement on the wall. We want to make it happen. We're going to do all in our power to do so. But if you're here, we're going to assume... That it's your desire as well, to grow up in Christ. We want to encourage you to do that. And when you do that, listen, when you come for the purpose of of getting established in truth, listen, you benefit personally from that. You do. First, what happens is you start thinking correctly. When you come for the purpose of, of learning, getting established in truth, you begin to think correctly. We, we have opposing doctrines in the world, don't we? And we're exposed to that most of the week. And it's important that we come back here and, and get redirected to what's really true, what's right from God's word. So 
You benefit personally. Another thing is the church benefits corporately. God, like we've said, God has, has gifted us in unique ways and he expects us to use those gifts to build up the church. That's his desire for you. That's why he has, he has gifted you. And the way he's gifted you and brought you here is because he wants you to use that gift to build up his church. And when you do that, the church benefits corporately. And we've, we've seen it happen firsthand here. I've seen those with the gift of administration help us keep things straight in the kids and youth areas. Those who are gifted teachers teach our kids and, and our youth and help lead small groups. I've also met many servants at this church who are serving behind the scenes in ways many of you never see. And they help keep our church straight and they make repairs on the building. They help our church look nice both inside and out. So the, the, the church benefits from God's people using their gifts. And lastly, not only do you benefit personally and the church benefit corporately, number three, the world benefits spiritually. If we as a church would commit to come to this church for the purpose of getting equipped to grow in Christ, you know what's going to happen? We're going to start worshiping God better. We're going to start connecting better. We're going to become unified. We're going to mature together. We're going to start serving one another better. And as a result, this church is going to be built up. And what we're doing is going to spill out into Jacksonville and beyond. That's the way it works how it happened in the first century it's an old model okay it's a it's a first century model but it works today that's what can happen if we will come here to get equipped to grow in christ so i'm i'm excited about this series i'm excited about having an opportunity to share this with you once again what we're all about because i believe this here, our mission statement, it's not gimmicky. It's not another program or ministry. It's not another thing for us to add to our list of to-dos, but it's biblical. It's what we're supposed to be about as a New Testament church. And Maybe you're here this morning and upon hearing this message, you're saying to yourself, you know what? I have a desire to grow up in Christ and I'd love to do it here, but I, I honestly don't know where to begin. Well, let me ask you this. First and foremost, do you know Christ personally? Have you come to the point where you've turned from going at life on your own and have you given your life to the Lord? Listen, before you can be established in truth and equipped for ministry, you must first be escorted to Christ. Have you been escorted to Christ? Have you come to know Him as your Lord and Savior? If you've never made that decision, I urge you to do it before you leave here today. If you would turn from your life of sin, trusting Christ alone for your salvation, you can be made right with God right now in your journey toward maturity. Your journey toward Christ-likeness can begin right now if you would make that decision. If you have not, pray that you would. Would you pray with me?